everybody. I'm Frankie. And I'm Daniel. And I'm Jay. And this is Propagated Podcast. everyone. This is very exciting. Yes, we have another guest on today. Hello, Jay. Thank you for being here. Hi, I'm really excited. So excited to have you on. So excited. We love having guests and we're so happy you're here and you are so knowledgeable on the subject. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about your history with this, with weed, the marijuana, the ganja, the pot, <laughs> the... What's the, there's a million names. A million <laughs> Devil's more. lettuce. That's the one I go for. Every Devil's time. lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, I started smoking not, like, too young, but, like, younger than you probably should have, around 18, uh, and then I moved to Colorado, and as soon as I turned 21, I got into the marijuana industry, um, which was a lot of fun. I got to learn a lot about it, uh, a lot of the different science of it, the way that the medical aspect works, and then all of the different parts of it that actually make it marijuana, not just the THC, which is really cool. That's so cool. I really don't know hardly anything about that, to be perfectly honest. (laughs) I have my list of questions. Not all of them are great questions, but I'm going to ask them anyway. (laughs) I have a list of questions, too. None of them are worse than some of the questions I've gotten from customers at dispensaries, so. Okay, wait. I need a story first. Can we start this episode off with a story? Of course. Uh, What kind of a story do you want? I have so many. I don't know. You just... I don't know, a horror story, bad customer, yeah, you, anything. What was your most horrific, dumb customer story that you have? Oh, man. All of them, you know, you just get all of these bros in that come in, and they think that they know everything. They come from an illegal state, and they're like, I've been smoking for, I've been smoking for five years. I know all about it. And you're like, okay, cool. Well, what makes up a plant? And they're like, THC. I want it to have 30% THC. That's all I care about. And if you're in the industry, you know that the higher the percentage does not necessarily mean that it will get you higher. It just means that it has more THC. Um, So it's not like ABV. (laughs) No, it's not. uh, It's actually really interesting because marijuana as the plant is exactly the same as hemp, except for it has higher than 0.3% THC in there. Um, But all of the rest of the parts of hemp are actually what makes marijuana good to smoke which is really interesting so a weird kind of side like a new thing that i learned about that i didn't even know existed um is delta 8 thc which apparently is technically legal yes which i didn't know that that was a thing and i actually have some um i have friends who operate a company that does that sells some Delta eight stuff and sells some hemp products and things of that nature. And they gave me some of the little Delta eight tablets that they make and they're really good. And they don't get you like, it's a different kind of high, I guess I would say than smoking THC straight up, but it does still give you a high, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. It's almost, um, so that's kind of called, it's called a cannabinoid, all of those different aspects, uh, CBD, THC, Delta-9, and Delta-8, as well as CBN, CBG. Uh, there's so many. Delta-8 is right next to Delta-9 THC, which is what we consider the illegal THC, which is crazy. Um, and so it gives <laughs> you a more mellow high, a little bit more in your head than in your body, or I guess it kind of depends on the person, just like anything when it comes to weed does. Uh, But yeah, it doesn't last quite as long and it's not quite as intense as Delta 9 THC highs can be. Yeah, it was was very curious. That actually leads me to one of my questions. So Daniel and I both have anxiety and we get panic attacks anytime we allegedly, since we live in an illegal state, (laughs) anytime we allegedly have maybe at some point smoked weed. for someone who has anxiety and has that kind of reaction, is there a better way to do it or a different way to do it or something to look out for? Or like what would you, when you were working at a dispensary, say to someone like us? Yeah. So it's actually always so surprising to me. I mean, not surprising, but when people are like, oh, I have anxiety, I cannot smoke weed um, because I started smoking weed because of my anxiety. Uh, I could not get my brain under control. And so I started smoking because it slowed me down enough to get ahead of the spiral thoughts. 
Um, so I always tell people it depends on what you smoke. There's a strain for everybody, depending on what you need, unless you don't like to smoke, then there's no strain for you. Um, but it's all about the terpenes actually in it. So like people say sativa versus indica, what type of high you'll get. Indica's into couch. You know, that's going to be that really slow, <laughs> yeah. that really like mellow high where you get like so just silly and you talk real slow and it's those like, bruh. Have you thought about the universe today? Kind of <laughs> um, versus the What if that's me every day, regardless? <laughs> <laughs> um, sativa highs will get you more of that, what, what we call the racy feeling, where you can feel your heart beating and you can kind of feel your blood pumping and you, you're oh, feeling nope. that energy uh-uh. and I'm that out. thinking. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> and usually that's the feeling that people who have anxiety get when they smoke that goes, oh my gosh. I'm in the middle of a panic attack. And it's because your body is having the physical reactions that happen when you have anxiety or when you have, you know, panic attacks without actually having that. So it trips you into one without even thinking about it. That's so interesting. Yeah, that's crazy. It's interesting to me because I actually take medication that isn't technically for anxiety, but it's for slowing your blood blood pressure and your heart rate down. Because like when I, I found out that if you change the physical reactions I have to anxiety and panic attacks, I don't have them anymore, which is really fascinating. Exactly. And that's the crazy part about weed is that it can give you all of those ranges. But because we don't really have specific sativa or indica strains, especially in America now, as it's becoming legal and as it's becoming commercialized, people are crossbreeding strains for their genetics and for specific effects. And so everything is just about a 60-40 sativa to indica blend these days. So it makes it really hard for people who have anxiety to go ahead and find a strain that helps calm them down without also giving them that body feeling. Because so many people in these legal states are smoking and working or are smoking and going to live their normal life and those kinds of things. And so you don't want something that's going to slow you down so much uh, the way that people who have anxiety kind of need weed to do. That's so crazy because I found I don't really like smoking flour personally. I never have. So I allegedly, I guess, whatever, get uh, little pods uh, like that you. Why am I blanking on this word right now? Uh, Vape? Like the vape. Like, thank you. Like like to vape them. Um, Yo, do you vape, bro? Yeah, I vape, bro. Uh, (laughs) But um, I found in getting those that the combos, the the crossbreeds are usually what serve me the best that don't make me paranoid like an indica might normally do or too amped like a sativa might normally do yeah there's always the danger with indicas that you are slowing yourself down so much that you are capable of thinking more uh but at a slower pace which can bring you to that anxiety level i said to my friend the other day i was just like yeah sometimes allegedly if we say allegedly enough i feel like it'll be fine (laughs) (laughs) This entire episode is based on allegation. There are no true facts. Blanket statement. We're not telling anyone to smoke weed. We're not trying to sell drugs to the kids here. (laughs) Just saying. Um, But I told my friend, I was like, yeah, I feel like sometimes when I smoke weed or if I like eat an edible or something, I start thinking about thinking and then I'm thinking about thinking about thinking and then I'm thinking about thinking about thinking about thinking. (laughs) Same. Same as fuck. That's exactly what I do every time. Um, I always tell people to find, like, to experiment with different strains and then to experiment with different ways of consuming um, if they feel like that's what they need, if they feel like marijuana is what they need to calm things down or to deal with, like, different types of medical issues, which marijuana is not a cure-all. Everybody likes to talk about CBD these days. Like, it can fix the world. (laughs) All it does is help relieve symptoms it doesn't necessarily fix things and that's really important to know too yeah i think that it's very easy to sensationalize things and obviously it's nice that (laughs) right it's very nice to have this trend towards more organic ways to help with your mental health and 
and stuff like that where it's not just immediately we're going to a Xanax or some big pharma company to fix all of our problems. But I do think it like like you were saying, very important to note that sometimes medicine is there for a reason. And mm. you can't think that obviously these things were made with a lot of care and thought and time. So sometimes you can't just depend on all organic stuff to work and fix everything. And I think that sometimes we get a little gung-ho on sensationalizing the idea of weed fixing everything or CBD fixing everything or or like just that, that general idea that you can have one thing that fixes all your problems mm -hmm. and that's just never going to be the way that it works. Yeah, I think a lot of it stems too from people being like, oh, well, our ancestors had it right. We want to reconnect with them and be all natural. But it's like, mm, let's talk about life expectancy, people. <laughs> For real. I mean, I definitely am not trying to go back to times where toilets weren't a thing. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I was literally watching a video the other day. Apparently, French aristocracy literally used to just poop whenever the sensation hit them. And they would, like, hide behind drapes in their castles and just poop. And then the fucking servants would have to go around and find their poop and dispose of it in a place that was not where it was because obviously you can't just have your shit randomly behind oh a drape God. in a castle. I it's like, what the fuck? Understanding the French revolutions so much. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it definitely it like fucked me up. I was like, oh, that no. is that a thing that really like really? You just wow, the urge fact, hits and you just Daniel. go like shit, man. It's wild. Oh, well, yeah, no, not trying to go back to those times. <laughs> Regardless, though, we talk about this a lot. There are incredible, amazing plants that do incredible, amazing things, too. Yeah, that is for true. sure. And I do genuinely, personally, in my life, consider hypothetically. <laughs> allegedly marijuana would <laughs> be one of those allegedly. plants um especially you know working in a dispensary on the recreational side um because you have two different ones in legal in legal states recreational and medical dispensaries um we would get customers come in i worked in a very touristy uh dispensary right off like the train station that came from the airport in downtown denver and we'd get customers come in and sometimes it would be like old ladies who would be like, my back has been killing me for forever. I've gotten the steroid shots. I've done physical training. I've done everything that I can do. I don't know what to do. My granddaughter told me to come in and try this cream. And then by the way, by the time they left Denver, they would come back in on their way out and be like, thank you so much. I was able to walk around downtown. I haven't been able to walk around this much in years. I'm so excited I found this. But then they'd have to go back home where they didn't have access to that anymore, which was really disappointing for them. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, that's something that works. Certainly yeah. something that I was trying to, it's like a nice segue into what I primarily was doing research about this week is kind of the history of marijuana and how it it's... Uh, legality has changed over the years and how a lot of that stems from pretty blatant, not pretty, just very blatant racism. Just straight yeah. um, I think like, all three of us prepared our subjects right. on this because there's a lot of it. <laughs> I, I, and I had no idea really. I mean, obviously I think it's pretty common knowledge that most times when any kind of drug has been made illegal in a blanket since typically has some kind of bearing in racism and comes from pretty racist backgrounds in the U.S. specifically. I haven't done research mm -hmm. to know what that looks like in other countries, but for the U.S. specifically. But I did not realize how far back it went, honestly, and how prolific it has been over the years, marijuana specifically, having its roots in an incredibly racist prohibition it's yeah. wild yeah so for me when i was doing the research i obviously it takes you to like some of the earliest parts of colonization here in the u.s um and from like early colonization hemp was incredibly encouraged like 
they were very encouraged to grow hemp for the production of like rope and sails, like sh like ship sails and like clothing. So in 1619, the Virginia Assembly passed legislation that actually required farmers to grow hemp. Like if you owned a farm, you had to grow hemp. And on top of that, hemp was considered an accepted form of legal tender in Pennsylvania, Virginia, Wait. and Maryland. <laughs> what? Oh my gosh. I want to live in a society where I'm like, hey, uh, I see you have like, um, you know, that thing that I want. Would you like this plant? <laughs> yeah, for real. So, so dope. And I had no idea that any of this really existed, honestly, but I think it's so cool. And it wasn't actually until, from what from the research I've done, it wasn't until the end of the Civil War that we start seeing hemp production go down because we were able to get a little bit more importation and some domestic products were starting to take over hemp and some applications. Domestic, like cotton? Probably. I honestly didn't dig that deep into it. I just know that domestic product was taking over hemp, and it, I'm sure that for textiles and stuff, cotton was part of that. Cotton, I think, popped up for fiber stuff, like, you know, like you were saying, rope and all that kind of stuff. And then as people were moving west and they were cutting down trees and all of that, that took over for paper and those kinds uh, of things, if I'm recalling correctly. That, that, that sounds incredibly reasonable. And even at the end of the 19th century, you're still looking at marijuana being an incredibly popular ingredient in medicines, very commonly used in medicines. Oh, wait, can I interject? Yeah, just get it. Okay. So I actually have a quote from the Western Journal of Medicine and Surgery from May of 1843 that I wanted to read to you all because I thought it was really sweet. The resin of the cannabis indica is in general use as an intoxicating agent from the furthermost confines of India to Algiers. If this resin be swallowed, almost invariably the inebriation is of the most cheerful kind, causing the person to sing and dance, to eat food with great relish, and to seek aphrodisiac enjoyment. Ooh. The intoxication lasts about three hours when sleep supervenes. It is not followed by nausea or sickness, nor by any symptoms except slight giddiness. Worth recording. <laughs> can we I bring? That was sweet. I, I love that quote. A, B. Can we bring supervenes back? I feel like nobody says that, and that's a cool ass word. I'm like into that word, yeah. honestly. Supervenes is awesome. Yeah. So, like I was saying, it wasn't until actually 1906 that the Pure Food and Drug Act came about. And that made it a requirement for any over-the-counter remedies that included marijuana to be labeled as such. Um, which obviously is fine. I'm definitely about labels. Knowing what's in your shit. Yeah, <laughs> telling you what it, what you're consuming. I'm, I'm for that. But it was kind of the first legal, legal thing that happened with marijuana that kind of restricted it in any way at all. And at this point, marijuana and... And hemp were both not really being smoked in the U.S. And not not in large amounts. It wasn't like a trendy, popular thing to smoke the plant itself. That actually came after the Mexican Revolution of 1910. So after that revolution, we have a lot of immigrants coming to the United States. And they are who introduced the public here to the recreational use of weed. Um... And of course, as is the case with U.S. history in general, immigrants weren't exactly welcomed with open arms. And anti-drug campaigns warned against the marijuana menace, mm -hmm. which unfortunately lumped any Spanish-speaking peoples as a part of the problem. And then you start getting closer to the Great Depression, which isn't that far off from, from the revolution. Um, and you have this huge increase in unemployment. And so this fear and resentment starts to boil over and kind of bleeds into that, you know, systemic racism that we have all kind of come to know a little too well in the U.S. And state oh, governments boy. actually started to illegalize the recreational use of marijuana altogether. So by 1931, which is right after the Great Depression starts – 
20 United States had outlawed weed altogether. Fun fact that's not so much of a fun fact, but that's actually why they centralized the name marijuana, I read, was because they wanted it to sound super Mexican to play on anti-immigrant sentiment. (laughs) Well, if that isn't just exactly what you would expect to happen. Oh no, these immigrants are giving our unsuspecting white American school children drugs. Literally, <laughs> and they all of it. <laughs> they had they conducted research in air quotes at the time and made it a huge effort to correlate marijuana use and violence specifically. Mm-hmm. And that violence, the only violence they looked for was violence committed by what they considered racially inferior people. <laughs> Is literally what the studies were saying. No, that's what the studies were saying. It's fucked up. They were like very blatant about it. The racism that exists with with marijuana is obvious. God, you just peel back anything in U.S. history, and it's like (laughs) racism. Literally, it's fucking horrible, (laughs) horrific. But yeah, um, so that was kind of the beginning of obviously like the racist background of it all. And it just literally never stops after that point. As soon as Mm -hmm. those legal wheels start turning and it gets legalized, then you have everyone jumping on this bandwagon. And then it was in 1930 also that the Federal Bureau of Narcotics was formed. And they created... They didn't actually write anything into law. They instead pressured states more heavily into writing legislation against drugs, including marijuana. Um, and that leads us to Reefer Madness. If you don't know about Reefer Madness and you're not familiar, you can find it on YouTube. It's okay. a film <laughs> that came out in 1936. And let me tell you all, when I say today, by today's standards, I consider it comedy. I think it's fucking hilarious to watch. But back then. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Idea. We watch it together on Patreon. (laughs) Into it. Let's do it. Let's do it. I haven't watched Reefer Madness in years. I've never seen it. I feel like this would be so fun. It would be hilarious. We definitely should. I worked at had a Reefer Madness poster somewhere. Absolutely. Oh, Why yeah, wouldn't you? Break room or out front because we all considered it a comedy too. We were like, this is so ridiculous that people thought it caused these issues. Oh, what's crazy is that today it seems like such comedy, but back in the 30s, it was not comedy at all. People took it incredibly yeah. seriously. It, it literally created the platform for all the smear campaigns that came out in the following years. Yeah, like you were saying about the violence and stuff, I read this thing that said police in Texas claimed it caused lust for blood, violent crimes, and superhuman strength. And I was superhuman like, what strength. drug are you talking about? So we're not talking about PCP here. Like, calm down. <laughs> oh, Lord. But yeah, so that, like I was saying, led to this... It was in when Reefer Madness came out, the Motion Pictures Association of America actually banned at that point the showing of any narcotics in films, any drugs at all. And from then, you have this incredibly effective and prolific smear campaigns running across the U.S. using the term evil weed. And around 1937, Congress passed the Marijuana Tax Act. And that essentially is what made weed illegal in Boo. in specific situations. You could still have hemp. They hadn't totally legalized everything yet, but it made it incredibly regulated and much harder to procure, grow everything. And then you just keep going and going, and then the racism comes back up real hard in the 50s. <laughs> And then they start doing super strict sentencing laws around drug offenses, which obviously drug offenses are going to happen in poor communities, which obviously the U.S. has pushed. Yeah. 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 So pretty terrible. And back in the 50s, your first offense of marijuana possession could carry a minimum sentence of two years all the way up to 10 years. 
and up to twenty thousand dollars in fines in oh, the fifties. I didn't God. do it. I didn't do like a interest calculator, like a conversion calculator. But I'm sure two hundred thousand or twenty thousand dollars then is significantly more That's now. That's crazy. That's crazy. That and sounds then, like that was made on purpose. Right? Who would who would think it, huh. you know? It's got no way. And then you come around to the 60s and you have a bunch of rich white people getting into the idea of having marijuana and they start to get these mandatory minimum charges repealed in their communities. Oh my god. So the judges would have more control over who and when they could apply the sentencing to so the minimums went away but the maximums did not so a judge could still sentence a person of color to the 10 years if they so felt inclined but if it was a cute little white girl they would probably not have a minimum for them and they would just get to walk with some fines so absolutely crazy. So that and that's like I said the 60s so you start seeing these countercultures embracing and kind of openly challenging the taboo around weed, which was great in a lot of ways because it did change some of these laws, which made some things better, but it did primarily help white people, not not people right. of color. Um, and so everything was going pretty good. Weed was kind of not as demonized for a while. And then you come into the 80s, and guess who? Motherfucking Reagan, of course, had to fuck shit up. Because Reagan was a piece of shit, and if you disagree, stop listening to this podcast because I hate you. Yeah, why are you here? <laughs> you, you, picked the wrong, you picked the wrong podcast if you're a Reagan supporter, I promise. Um. But obviously, Reagan did so many terrible things to our economy and our prison systems and our drug laws. But he created new mandatory minimums and spearheaded a drive to create much harsher drug laws again. Um, for everybody? For everyone. Hmm. Obviously, it's geared towards certain communities because... That's how laws work, unfortunately. If you're wealthy and you get a ticket for drugs, you can pay the fines and not have to consider jail time because you can just pay the fines. It's like a get-out-of-jail-free card if you have money. But for people who don't have money and can't pay the fines, they have to do the sentence, the jail time for it. So he reinstituted – or he signed the Anti-Drug Abuse Act, which – reinstituted mandatory sentences for drug-related crime. And that, in conjunction with the Comprehensive Crime Control Act, these laws raised federal penalties for marijuana possession and dealing, basing the penalties on the amount of the drug involved instead of just having it, period. But mm. possession of 100 marijuana plants received the same penalty as possession of 100 grams of heroin or cocaine or whatever other drug, which are much more extreme than marijuana, obviously. And then they also included an amendment that established the three strikes and you're out policy oh, requiring gosh. life sentences for repeat drug offenders and providing the death penalty for drug kingpins. In air quotes. Which could just be like your local dealer who happened to Literally. be caught like three times. Oh, God. That's crazy. Horrible. This three strikes law was still in California for a long time. I know that. Um, I just want to really quickly plug one of my very favorite podcasts that I just like incredible. If you like podcasts, listen to it. It's called Ear Hustle. And um, I learned so much about law and three strikes law and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's basically a podcast recorded inside of San Quentin prison about being in prison and it's fantastic. That sounds pretty awesome. I haven't you told me to listen to them so many times and I haven't. All right, let's finish this little bit of racism and history and marijuana. It's fucking Jesus, it's heavy and I'm sorry, but it's important to know. So, after Reagan did his whole anti-drug campaign, war against drugs, 
you know, you got fucking Nancy sitting on national television saying, just say no. Just, just say no. You'll be fine. I'm a ultra wealthy, stupid ass white bitch that has a husband who somehow managed to go from an actor to president of the United States. Just say no to drugs. Fucking, I'm sorry. I hate the Reagan family so fucking much. I get so fired up about it. It makes me so angry. But, um, so after, obviously Reagan fucked up the drug world and we are slowly starting to relax on a lot of those laws, which is great. It got so normalized that people like there's no it's it, it would have been impossible to keep people from smoking weed. So obviously those laws are going to be forced to change at some point. And uh, when you start hitting the point where it's more white people getting in trouble than people of color, then the laws actually change. So yeah, that's where we're at. Fancy that. <laughs> um, but in 96 is when that was the first legalization of marijuana and that was in california and that was prop 215 that's when i was uh, born i brought around to legalization oh hell yeah wow look at world that's that's some good luck right there you brought marijuana <laughs> with you fuck yeah um and yeah and obviously it's modern days now that practically catches you up on the, the major things from the past and you know, the racism is just super enmeshed in our system, and it's really terrible, and we definitely need comprehensive restructuring of all the laws. I didn't do a whole lot of research past, you know, 96 was the first time that shit started, the ball started rolling, and there was some push towards legalization. So that's what I've got for you on the history of the legal bits with weed and... God damn it, if the U.S. just does not have a very efficient way of being racist all the fucking time. We were built on it. <laughs> Literally built on the blood and bones of racism. So, Jay, do you have anything you want to add to that? Or you have any other insights? Or expound upon? When it comes to the history of it in terms of the legalization and use in America especially, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. Um, the most unfortunate part is that through America, like making it illegal and taking it away, it kind of affected the rest of the world. It rippled out and started making it illegal everywhere, which was crazy, especially because if we want to talk about the history of the plant itself, there was no marijuana or hemp strains native to North America until the 1500s when conquistadors brought it over into Mexico and into Florida which is really interesting. Um, so all of our strains actually come from more the Middle East and Africa, and then we brought it over here, and then we criminalized it. So we can honestly just bring it to racism in the whole world if we wanted to. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> the roots run deep on the marijuana and racism, huh? Shit. They do. They do. But I think that actually, let's if we want to lighten it up a little bit, um, the history of the actual plant is really interesting because there were only a few strains to start with. I think about seven. And now there's over 700. Um, wow. Nobody actually knows how many because of, there are so many and there's so many, you know, stories of, oh, this is this strain. and This is how it came to be that were lies to get people yeah. off the trail of, you know, different things while it was illegal and during the prohibition of weed. Um, but the most populars are going to be uh, pure Afghan or Afghan Kush from Afghanistan. You got Acapulco Gold from Mexico. Durban Poison is maybe one of the most popular sativa strains out there. And that one's from Africa. Um, and then you got a few other ones. You got Lamb's Bread from Jamaica and Hindu Kush from Pakistan. Um, so lots of those. And all of our weed that we know now is going to be related to those strains in some way. So it all is like one big family tree. Yeah. Are those, uh, I'm trying to remember the phrase, it's called landrace, right? Those are the yeah. original strains, landrace strains. Yeah. And, uh, and is that can... what you just listed? I'm just curious. I didn't know for sure. Yeah, yeah. Those landraces cool. are what I just listed. Um, and you can tell that they're landraces because they usually do have where they're from in them, which is really kind of fun. And keeps yeah. it simple. And the one that you still see probably the most often today would be that Afghan Kush or Afghani Kush um, on the Indica side and then Durban Poison on the Sativa side. Those would be the two that you see most often. 
Um, okay. But now with the commercial commercialization of weed, you see those ones pulled off the shelf a lot more because people are really focused on getting the newest and hottest strains out there. Um, and you need those base land races in order to crossbreed your strains to get the specific look. Like weed now isn't even being bred for its effect anymore as much as it's being bred for like its bag appeal. So to have those bigger, grittier nugs instead of those more stemmy and leafy nugs um, and things like that. And like, so for aesthetics and for smell and those kinds of things that draw people in to buy it are what it's mostly being bred for. Well, that's similar to like beer, how but in the past, you like having a nice amount of head on a beer was desirable because it meant that the beer was stored well and yeah. carbonated properly. And now if you hand somebody a glass, that's even 10% head, they're like, what the fuck? Like, why are you cheating me out of my beer? This is stupid. Like, I'm not, I'm never going to come here again because you didn't give me a proper pour. It's like, cool, dude. Awesome. Sorry. Side note. I've had two very busy weekends and I just started working behind a bar again okay, recently so beers. so it, uh <laughs> i gotta get gotta get my little jabs out somewhere sometimes honestly the whole time you were talking i can't help but think like i think back to our agave episode and i'm like this feels like the opposite of like agave where like none of it's ever cross-pollinated it's just like reclose yeah. the same plant until it collapses you know in the cannabis industry now, there actually is a big risk of that going on because the way mm. that they breed the plant is they have one mother plant and then they have a room full of male plants that it pollinates. Um, and so, so horrible. That's great. But if that mother plant goes, pretty much that whole strain is fucked. So, and like they keep little clones of the mother all the time, just in case, you know, that happens. So they do prevent that in some ways, but it is a really big hazard. And we are finding that we're running out of land races because they're harder to clone because they need to be grown in their specific environments where they're from instead of, you know, in the greenhouses or outdoors in these environments that they're not native to at all. Yeah. They're not tolerant of environmental changes like a, a crossbreed would be that makes sense that's yeah. like bringing random tropicals into your house like if you try and dig up they're not even tropicals if i go outside right now and find a fern in the middle of the woods yeah. and try and bring it inside it's gonna be like you can go ahead and get fucked how about i crisp up and die i'm not yeah. doing this with you like First why'd you all, move me two middle fingers. <laughs> i don't have fingers because i'm a plant but you can feel them <laughs> but the most important so but when it comes to the plants growing you can get a hermaphroditic plant when it comes to marijuana but Mm. that only happens if the plant is under distress so it will all of a sudden start to try and pollinate itself to spread itself out to survive so like if the ground is bad or if you know there's too much light or there's just something wrong with the soil or anything it'll start to pollinate itself so that it will get as many seeds as possible so that birds and stuff will come and eat it and take it away to somewhere else, which is really cool that it's so smart to do that. Plants do plants yeah. are, are fucking wild because I know mm-hmm. probably the most about orchids of all the plants. Cause it's something that I've always loved and orchids are similar in the fact that if they bloom out of season for you or like bloom randomly and odd, like if you would not have expected them to be blooming, it's typically because the plant is so stressed, it knows it's about to die and it sends off a spike of flowers so that it can get pollinated and seed itself and pro- like go and proliferate itself, which I've always thought was, I didn't realize that we did the same thing, which is really fucking cool. Such a cool like thing that, plants are smart enough to be like, like listen I, I got my lineage down like <laughs> yeah, i love that plants are able to like i don't know sense their danger and then just go you know what though i'm still going to survive even if it kills me i will make sure that i survive somewhere else i think is really yeah. cool of plants <laughs> yeah no it's, it's, it's absolutely yeah, it a cool really thing. cool of plants <laughs> We love plants. I mean, plants obviously, we love Let's plants. Just, it's a, yeah. it's we kind a of our thing. We, did, we made a podcast it. about it, you know. 
So I remember you mentioning the other day that hops and weed are related. Yes, yes, they are cousins, um, which is kind of cool. Um, I'm not quite sure how closely related they are, but you can tell when you look at the plant um, that hops, usually they have hanging upside down to dry, and you can tell it's just an upside down nug. If you take it out and look at it, they're pretty much like they're those stems and the way that the uh, leaves kind of bundle up to make those little pearly kind of looking leaves instead of, you know, more sharp and pointy. Um, You can tell how closely related they are. And so hops is going to be more closely related to an indica plant than a sativa plant, though, for that same reason. Okay. Um, Because sativa and indica actually doesn't totally mean what they do, but is rather how they grow. Well, I mean, realistically, when you look at alcohol and beer specifically, it's a barbiturate. So to me, it makes sense that it would be more closely related to an indica than a sativa. Personally, that just stands to reason in my brain. Um, Yeah, especially because... Is that the one that makes your heart race? Indica is going to be the more in the couch... Yeah, the, the more chill. Gotcha. Yeah. Right, right, right. Into couch. Yeah. I got it now. The pun. Right, 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 right. Right, right, right. Yeah, which we love a good that. pun here on Propagated. Yeah, all of it. Yeah, alcohol is more of a depressant. Indica is going to feel like more of a depressant than the sativa, even though they both technically are depressants. Um, gotcha. So it kind of makes sense that the one is more closely related. But you can kind of tell the difference between sativas and indicas, like, physically. Indicas grow closer to the ground and they're more bush-like. And you can tell that with hops too. They're a little bit more bushy. They're a little less uh, lanky, as we would say. Uh, Sativas are usually a lot taller. They have more pointy leaves. They stand up a little bit more and they have a lot more stems. Cool. Yeah, I remember back when I was a florist, I think I've talked about this before on the podcast possibly, but back when I was a florist, I had a groom who really wanted hops in his boutonniere. And so I was like, you know, weaving hops into his boutonniere and my hands were so sticky. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, huh. <laughs> Dude, out of curiosity, uh, with hops and hemp, what the, the like that plant, I don't know much about, honestly, the hop plant personally i've not i've never really looked into it does it have similar properties to like a hemp plant like can you do similar things with it do you know i mean obviously whatever if you don't know where where this isn't a hop episode but (laughs) um as far as i know the most similarities they have are mostly in their appearance um however i know that you could use hops for the same texture like textile stuff that you could use okay And actually, cool. from history, oh, fact, really quickly, did you know our constitution is written on that paper? Is it really? It really is. I it did really not know that, and that is mm-hmm. such a fun fucking fact. Right? So technically, oh federally, our constitution is illegal. How are you going to yeah. outlaw the constitution? <laughs> 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 Didn't George Washington grow hemp? Yeah. Just about anybody who had any sort of land grew hemp. Um, because it was our biggest textile. Hemp is so versatile in the coolest way. You can make anything out of it. And Literally rubber. Sure you can make hemp rubber. You can make hemp yes. rubber? What? Yeah, yes. you could replace the entire petroleum industry with hemp. Well, I mean, oh, maybe not gasoline. Not. But... I wonder why it's outlawed. <laughs> right, exactly. for real. There's <laughs> lots of different reasons. A really big reason. Because hemp, you can't, hemp matures in eight days after it blooms. It's mature what? in eight days. Yes, um, which is crazy. So, like, we could completely replace, like, the lumber industry in terms of, like, for paper and all of that with hemp and have it be pretty much a renewable resource because it also doesn't drain the nutrients from soil nearly as much as most other plants can. I also know for a fact, because my best friend is a paper maker, that, um, uh, like, like, tree pulp is takes a lot of energy to make because you have to break it down a lot. Hemp paper doesn't yes. take nearly as much. Yeah, because yeah. it's a it's, it's a much softer plant, I'm sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Hemp is wow. So, hemp Fucking, is so cool. It's so wild to me that like, I mean, it's really not. I guess I'm I'm kind of a cynic, so it's kind of expected for corporations to run some shit. But the fact that hemp hasn't had an opportunity to be capitalized on in the farming community is kind of wild to me. Mm. Like you would think that you would see farmers understanding the 
versatility of hemp and pushing for legislation to be written to legalize it federally and make money off of it. Honestly, like if you're going to play into the capitalistic world, then why not? Why not do that? Why not push for a better system of of regulation on hemp specifically? So we are actually kind of seeing that a little bit in modern day legalization and decriminalization. Um, Colorado is actually a really good example of that. Our, I am, I'm a Colorado native originally, um, and our farming industry was almost dead um, out there for a long time. And then that was one of the big reasons that marijuana became legal in Colorado was to give an outlet to a lot of these farmers to be able to revitalize their soil and to be able to add one more, you know, rotating crop in there. Um, and all of a sudden the boom in the economy isn't just tourism, isn't just weed. It is a, a very big growth in locals who are already there finally starting to jump in and be able to be a part of the economy that was being taken over mostly by corporations for a long time. I love that. That's really cool. Unfortunately, with legalization, you are now seeing it's so expensive to get the permits to have mm. a dispensary or to have a grow. Yeah. Uh, Illinois is the best example of this. Mm. Like, I think there's three dispensaries in Illinois, Illinois and they've, <laughs> yeah, they've been legal. It's been legal there for over a year now. And it's because it costs over a million dollars just to get a startup, like just to get like the permits for everything. You are fucking kidding. Yeah. Okay. So weed is very quickly turning into a rich man's game as they're pushing everyone else out. Okay, I have an idea. I have said this before out loud, and I want to say it out loud to the world right now. This is what I feel like would be an incredible act of reparations is to just like only allow black folks to control the weed industry. Like, I feel like that would be incredible. There are, um, I think, in upstate New York. No, because it's only decriminalized in New York recently. There is a state somewhere in the New England area that has, I think, very few dispensaries, but most of them are black owned. For that reason, they gave, they gave preference to black owned businesses. Uh, they open permature for black-owned businesses first. That's really cool. I love mm-hmm. that. See, that's how it should be because it's like if you're fucking over one community, whether you meant to or not, like you should probably try to amend that in the other side of the process by helping that community, whether you meant to or not. Right. Yes. Right. So, Jay, what does the modern cannabis industry look like? Like, how does it operate? <sighs> Oh, that's such a good question. I love it, though. Um, (laughs) Let's see. So I can't really speak for all of the legal states, obviously, because everything is very state to state uh, at the moment, uh, especially since it's not federally legal at all. But we are starting to see different brands kind of move into different states. So we're starting to see some uh, equalization. That's not the word I'm looking for. Some uniformity so mm. uniformity in the industry in terms of like especially the medicinal uh marijuana products because it's medically legal so many more places than it is recreationally legal um so we're seeing very specific brands popping up around the country um but in colorado specifically there are a few places that just own grows there are a lot more complete top-down um businesses though so it's going to be more you decide to start a dispensary. Okay, well, you're going to start a grow first. You're going to find your strains that you grow really well. And then you're going to package those and you're going to put them in your building. And it's all going to be in one brand um, because it's the cheapest way to do it instead of buying it out and bringing it in. So, right. which can be really cool because you can trust your local dispensary to have what you want and what you like no matter what because you're not getting all of these very weird, you know, different products. Like when I went to when I went to Seattle and we went to a dispensary, the competition there was that the different grows were buying shelf space. So they were putting as much money as they could into buying shelf space because the dispensaries themselves didn't have their own bud, didn't grow their own weed. Hmm. So you didn't have any sort of uniformity in terms of what kinds of products you were getting, what sort of high you might be getting, the way that it was measured or tested, all of that was kind of up in the air and up to the grows. But in Colorado, it all has to be tracked 
all the way through the system. So from the second it's grown to the second it leaves in somebody's hand, the government does know exactly where it is, which is kind of scary (laughs) in a weird way. I kind of feel like Colorado has been uh, kind of like, obviously being one of the first recreational states to ever legalize, um, is like a mile, like a like a mile marker kind of state. It's like totally the way they it seems the way that they have done it. I'm not super educated on this. Um, has been pretty effective and pretty good overall. I remember reading about Colorado's first year being recreational. They made such an obscene amount of money that they had to have a vote on how to allocate all of those funds. (laughs) And they end up putting it into the education system, which I thought was really fucking cool. Now, North Carolina has the lottery system that goes towards education. So the North Carolina education lottery. Um, and that's a total fucking shit show. Does not go to the right schools. Does not does not is not allocated well. And I'm sure that it could be the same way in Colorado. I just thought reading that as somebody who doesn't live there and doesn't know the actual processes, I thought that sounded really fucking cool. Yeah, I completely agree. Colorado, it would be better. So the dispensaries that make the most money are obviously in the more populated areas, which is pretty much Denver and then the surrounding suburbs. Um, the rest of Colorado is a very, very red state rural, which I think people forget about when they hear about Colorado because they are thinking about Denver. Um, but the bummer about the taxes going to education in Colorado is that they go to the local area. So Denver is getting all of this funding from marijuana sales and the taxes are going to those school systems, which is great because it is a city and they do need that. But the more rural areas don't get as much as that get because anything. they have, yeah, they have like three or four maybe dispensaries that are located in Denver corporately anyway. So they might not get most of those taxes other than the county that they do. I just have one more thing that I definitely want yeah, to talk go about. Yeah, absolutely. Because we were kind of talking about the medicinal qualities of cannabis. Mm -hmm. Um, which is great because it helps with inflammation and pain and headaches and weight gain, all of that kind of stuff. It can help regulate. But the coolest part about it is that we have an entire nervous system in our body specifically designed to break down cannabinoids. Wow. So what? Yes. It's called the endocannabinoid system and it helps mostly with your gastrointestinal system and helps regulate your microbiomes. And helps you just stay healthy, pretty much. Happy 420, everyone. Yes, right. <laughs> How did I not know that was a thing? There's an entire nervous system to break down fucking cannabinoids? Yes. And My whole mind is entirely blown. I encourage everybody to look up Dr. Ethan Russo. Because he's the one doing a lot of these studies right now and paying attention to it. Um, but yeah, the cannabinoid system, it's amazing because it's not just about the THC. And this is what I always tell people, especially to circle all the way back to the beginning when we were talking about anxiety, a fully developed plant that doesn't just have THC, but has the CBD, the CBN, the CBG, all of the cannabinoids in there helps you live a healthier life. In my opinion, um, that's not a medical opinion, everyone. Don't, don't just go smoke weed and be like, this podcast said it makes me healthy. <laughs> We're a podcast, not a doctor. Exactly, yes. But like, you know, CBG helps you fall asleep. CBN helps you stay asleep. CBD helps you with pain and anxiety and inflammation. THC helps alleviate your mind of a lot of stresses with those other, uh, with those other cannabinoids in there. To wrap it up, I would love to rapid fire ask you a couple questions that I really want to know about that might be silly questions, but I would like to ask you. I love silly questions. Okay, number one, you know, you see in like bongs and like double boilers or like a lot of like pieces that you smoke out of, there's water. Why is there water? Um, I mean, for a lot of the water pipes, it just, it's just the way that that's designed. Um, you want it to recycle and like, you'll see people who smoke a lot will have like double recyclers 
in their bonds and stuff to try and get the water to go through a couple of times. It just makes it a lot less harsh on your lungs. Gotcha. It makes it a lot less, less harsh on your throat. So, you know, it helps you smoke more weed. <laughs> is it, is that, is that similar to, uh, putting ice like when they have ice catches is that also yeah. like it, it, is it desirable because it makes the hit smoother and that's about it yeah pretty much okay. um, especially the ice ice is almost always just up to preference um it, the fun part about denver is you'll see a lot of people go out and get a cup of snow and dump it in there and oh. then they don't even mm. have to fill up the water because it just melts that. in and it all works so perfect <laughs> love that um, i definitely know that when i was ripping bongs back in the day Allegedly. I, uh, allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. 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 <laughs> um, I preferred ice because I liked the, the coolness helped me not cough. Yes, exactly. So then my next question would be, what is your favorite way to imbibe? Oh, oh, that's such a hard question. It completely, <laughs> for me, having worked in the industry, it completely depends on what I'm doing or mm. what my plans are for the day. I'm personally definitely a flower smoker through and through i like my little allegedly in, in colorado i'm definitely a, a <laughs> um, i like my little bubbler pipes that are easy to just hold and you know be right there with that little bit of water but uh, edibles can be great edibles mm. are great if you are going to go do something and then you're going to be at home later and you know that they're going to hit you at a certain time you can time it right but edibles are weird because they don't work for everybody. Um, some people don't have the enzyme in their liver to break it down. Huh. So I always tell people to not start with edibles, especially if you haven't smoked before. Because That's fair. Edibles, I feel like, for me, end up being stronger. Yes. They will in be general. They're being, 100%. they're being broken down by your liver instead of through your lungs. So they're, So it hits differently. And it either is going to send you way out into an almost psychedelic high, which it can, or it won't work at all. Or if you're experienced and you know what you're doing, you'll get the high that you want. So it's kind of weird if you don't have a lot of experience in it. I want to foray, I want to like do a foray allegedly into more edibles. I have never had a good experience with edibles though. So they terrify me honestly a little bit, which probably doesn't help going in in a mental state where I'm already like, uh, I don't know if this is going to be a good or a bad time for me. So I tell everybody all the time, you get the high that you want, um, especially from edibles. But it's weed is such a specific drug in that it does what you want it to do. Because I'm not a sativa smoker because it gets me anxious. Mm. But if it's the only flower that I have, I'll be like, it's just a drug. This is going to relax me and it's going to be fine. And I'll Listen here, it. buckaroo. <laughs> I'll smoke it and I'll be fine and it'll be okay. And yeah, it'll still be a little bit racier than what I want. But if you can just remind yourself, it's just a drug. I'm yeah. in control here. It's not in control. Just breathe a little. Usually you can get through it okay. I found that as long as I uh, have an activity, have something yeah. mentally stimulating that's not just television, then I'm Animal usually okay. Crossing, allegedly. Yeah, it, I, I have to have like a thing. <laughs> To do. And if there's a thing to do and I have a goal and a purpose, then I don't get anxious. But if I am like just laying in bed watching TV, then I get anxious and I'm like, I hate this. This is terrible. Yeah, this is no fun. THC activates the part of your brain that thinks and that processes information. So if you aren't doing an activity, it doesn't help you relax. But if you are doing an activity, your brain will focus on that activity and help you relax. I have, I have to say, allegedly, the other night, <laughs> <laughs> I have never slept so long in my entire life. I was walking around on my Animal Crossing island, and I realized that if you put on a different pair of shoes, it makes a different noise. So I was Nuh-uh. switching out my sh- Yeah, no, literally. What the so fuck? Was, and on different pathways, like, the noise changes. And so I was, like, changing my shoes and, like, walking around slowly around the island for literally two hours. It was incredible, allegedly. I mean, I knew that different pathways made different noises, but I am... She Very intrigued yeah. to test out different and if it's shoes now. Oh Lord! I have one more question, but before I ask it, I, Daniel, do you have any questions you want to ask Jay? Honestly, I did have like ten different questions written, but over the course of all the conversating, I feel like 
my need for knowledge is sated and all the questions <laughs> that I had have been previously answered. That is a very yeah, Daniel like, response. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my final question is, well, I guess it's not really a question. I think I would like to end on a story that just brought you joy, that when you were in the industry, you were just like, this is incredible. I love being a part of this. This is amazing. You know, so it's going to start sad and then get happy, I promise. <laughs> um, the marijuana industry is so interesting because you see people from literally every walk of life. You see people who you saw out on the corner begging for change, coming in to get their $5 joint before they go back out and do it again. You see people who work, you know, in very corporate environments who are really upset with their lives come in and get like their daily relaxing and then go out and do it again. And you see people who just want to have some fun and party on the weekends coming in. Um, so it's always really interesting to me having worked in the industry and working in local like neighborhood dispensaries, especially people would come in and you'd get to know them every single day. You'd have your same regular customers, or at least once a week, you'd see the same people over and over again. And there was one guy who I, who I saw, he came in, he was homeless when he shopped at the one dispensary I worked at, the first dispensary I worked at. And every single time he came in, he said, hi, he was so nice to all of us. And he always tipped a dollar, even though he didn't have anything else to his name. Hmm. And it was genuinely the nicest person I'd ever met. And then I had moved on to a different dispensary later. And I knew what he got. I knew what he got every single time he walked in. I was like, hey, Brian, I'm going to get you your joints. Here you go. We have the strains you like. Here we go. And he came into a dispensary that I was working at like two dispensaries later. He came in and I was like, oh my God, do you remember me? Like I used to work at this one and now I'm here. He was like, oh shit. Yeah, I haven't seen you in so long. He was like, you guys are always so nice to me. And everybody there was so nice that it really encouraged me to go and get into this house. And he ended up getting into a house and living in this apartment with like a few different people. But he got a job. And by the time he came back in, like he was clean shaven, like he got it all together. And he tipped like five or $10, which is like a lot for everything. But he was always just the nicest person. And, you know, you always hear that people who smoke weed are like lazy stoners who don't want to mm. do anything. Or, you know, if they are homeless and smoking weed, you know, what are they really spending their money on? And this guy came in every single day to buy a joint so that he could relax because he had a stressed out existence. Mm. Mm. And because he found his community in this dispensary and people were encouraging to him and nice to him, he was able to move on and get stuff together in his life and move forward and have a better life later. And I think about him maybe once every few months, just going like, oh, I really hope Brian's still doing good. What a nice guy. He just deserves it. And I wouldn't have gotten to see that or to see the reality of what it looks like to be homeless or what it looks like to, you know, have all of these wide array of mental or physical, you know, disabilities that people come in for. I just think it's a really humanizing job a lot of the time, especially in, in local dispensaries when you're seeing the same people and you're knowing what they're dealing with, you're knowing what their issues are and, you know, trying to find the strengths specifically tailored to help people with what they need. It's a really, it's a really heartfelt job if you're doing it right, in my opinion. What a really cool thing. That's an awesome story. That's really fun. Well, fun and heartwarming. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, community is everything. Support is everything. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, there's nobody that doesn't look for some level of that, right? Some some level right. of community. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Jay. It has been so amazing. We loved your expertise. Oh, well, thank yeah. you for having me on. Yeah. We should absolutely have you on again sometime in the future. Yeah, this was for, great. We episode. We'll get you on. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. We are... So happy that you all have either just joined us or have lasted this long with us. Mm -hmm. um, if you are new and don't know, there is an awesome way for you guys to learn more about us personally and about the podcast. We have a beautiful website that so Frankie much. spent hours and hours and hours and hours <laughs> on developing and making perfect for all of you. Um, and I'll let... Frankie, tell you where you can find that. 
it's really easy. It's just propagatedpodcast.com. And hey, it's hard to spell, so just look at the episode title. <laughs> <laughs> Propagated, not propagated. Propa. Propa. Nice and proper way to say it is propagated. In the couch. <laughs> <laughs> Puns for days. You know what? We're not going to go too long, and you can find everything on there. We have our Patreon if you want to support us. We have our links to where you can find us on social media, and you have all kinds of stuff like that. Jay, is there anywhere online you would like people to find you? At the moment, no, not right now. Um, and if I got anything wrong in this episode, you can feel free to add me on Twitter because I don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love it. Or you can email us at propagatedpodcast at gmail.com and we'll pass it on. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> awesome. Jay, thank you so much. This was amazing. And happy 420, everybody. Happy 420. Bye. 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 Consume responsibly. <laughs> <laughs>